press the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front. From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Kristen Amiot. It's Monday, January 16. The nation's energy retailers have stopped taking on new gas customers now the Albanese government's caps on wholesale gas prices have taken effect. Providers like AGL and PowerShop have ramped up prices in an effort to deter new customers while they work through the longer-term implications of the price caps in light of what they say is unclear policy. Existing and residential customers are so far unaffected by the pause to gas services. Coveted Australian rock lobster is selling in China for almost double what it's worth anywhere else in the world. That's in defiance of an unofficial trade ban slapped on the delicacy more than two years ago. And it's the work of a sophisticated smuggling operation that could be about to come unstuck. We'll have more on that later in the episode. Australians desperately seeking rental properties are dashing to dozens of inspections offering well above asking prices and even applying for subpar properties sight unseen. And all the while, prices are skyrocketing. First up in today's episode, the brutal reality of renting right now. What do we reckon? Actually, so far, yeah. I haven't seen yeah. the rest of it, but quite good. Yeah. Couple stains on the second, walls. Second though. bedroom is decent. Yeah. yeah. I've heard good but mouldy. That's the yeah, that's, that's the general okay. consensus. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Anywhere else, a landlord might struggle to get a tenant for a dark, mouldy terrace with no parking. But in Sydney, it's exactly the kind of property that's attracting sometimes hundreds of dollars over the asking price. Ellie Dudley is a reporter with The Australian and she joins me now. Ellie, you recently spent a Saturday morning with the throngs of prospective renters looking for a property in Sydney. What was that like? Oh, it was so depressing. I spent a rainy Saturday morning around the inner west of Sydney uh, standing in queues with up to 50 people queuing around the block with just this real sense of desperation in the air of people who had gone to three inspections already that day. They'd been to 15 that week because they're just so desperate to get a property and they just can't find anything. And anything they are finding has mold, is well over their price range, is perhaps not in the location that they want to rent in. It's just awful. Two better in a uh, city yeah, in a west. Sydney's property market is famously hard on renters and buyers. Why is the rental market spiralling even further out of control now? Well, this is what's funny about it, Kristen, is it's particularly bad in Sydney, but it's bad everywhere across Australia. It's been a record-breaking year for the rental market. So we saw a record high in 2022. What are your predictions for the rental market this year? We did start to see a slower pace of quarterly growth towards the end of 2022. So I think that really could be a sign that tenants are really reaching an affordability ceiling. It's a landlord's market across every single capital city and even into regional Australia. So I think the fact that it is still a landlord's market, we're likely to continue to see rents rise. I spoke to Cameron Kusha, who is the Director of Economic Research at 
prop track. And he said that basically rents are rising because there's a lot more demand for rental properties than there is supply. It's as simple as that. The reason why there's not enough supply is because there aren't enough investors in the market. Um, and that's a result of state governments charging higher land tax, APRA in 2014 placing credit growth limits on investor credits. So because we don't have enough investors in the market, it means that we don't have enough properties that are being rented out. On top of that, obviously, rising interest rates haven't helped the situation. The cash rate has jumped more than three percentage points since May last year. And so landlords are passing those extra costs onto their tenants as well to help them pay their mortgage. It's a real perfect storm, which means that we don't have enough houses to be leased out to people, even though we've got lots and lots of people wanting to rent them. And lots of those people coming from overseas as well. Now that the borders have opened, we've got more and more people coming in looking for properties and they're competing with a local market, which is already stretched. You mentioned this is a problem Australia-wide. Where are some of the places where people are struggling most? The suburb in Australia that is suffering the most is Oakville in northwest Sydney. Their rents have risen by 54% over the past year. Uh, North Warunga in Sydney is also very similar. They've risen by 53%. And Joslin in North Adelaide, surprisingly, has gone up by 52% over the past year. If we look around the country as well, in summers on the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria, it's gone up 41%. Wamaran in Brisbane has gone up 46%. And Deakin in Canberra has gone up 36%. So they're pretty big numbers and it really is countrywide. And what are the landlords and real estate agents saying? Are renters likely to get some relief soon? Unfortunately not. It's a really depressing fact, but until we get more investors in the market there's not going to be any relief. We just need more supply. Ellie Dudley is a reporter with The Australian. Stay with us after the break. How Australian rock lobster is defying unofficial trade bans to remain one of China's most sought-after delicacies. A troubled young woman... Her evil parents. We never had any issues between us. Has justice been done? I'm in a prison. Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases. Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. It's the niche story that's got everything, a sophisticated smuggling operation, growing geopolitical tensions and even concerns over national security. And it all revolves around one of the most coveted delicacies in China, Australian rock lobster. Will Glasgow is the Australian's North Asia correspondent and he joins me now. Will, let's rewind a bit. Australian rock lobster isn't being sold in China via the usual channels right now. Why is that? Yeah, it's not being sold by the usual channels and it hasn't been since November 2020 because China's customs won't clear any Australian rock lobster. They've never officially announced this policy. It's not like some of their other trade sanctions which have been made official, but it's a very real ban. And uh, it was sort of announced to the world in November 2020 when 20 tonnes of Australian lobster was just left hanging at Shanghai Airport. Most of the lobsters ended up dying. 
Tons of Australian lobster are stranded on the ground in China as Australian exporters face issues with custom clearances. Any further delay could risk spoiling the lobster and put at risk Australia's $700 million a year export industry. The Trade Minister says he's aware of the issues and working with the industry to try and resolve them as quickly as possible. And then it was made very clear through private channels to Australian lobster businesses the market's closed and they're not allowed in anymore. That rock lobster is still, as we said, finding its way into China via very different means now. How did crime gangs come to be the ones smuggling Australian rock lobster into China? Customs isn't letting Australian lobster in, but a lot of lobsters still getting in. And that's because the demand for Australian lobster, which is the, the most famous, the most prized, the most loved within China, hasn't gone away. And the price of Australian lobster outside of China is about a third of what it is within it. And so that's just made a really tempting smuggling route for criminal syndicates and enterprising import exporters, you might call them, all around China's coasts. But right now, the epicentre of it all are the Western Islands in Taiwan, which are very close to the Chinese mainland, the islands of Matsu and Jinmen. Do authorities know about this lobster black market and what are they going to do about it? The really funny thing about this trade is there's nothing illegal about selling an Australian lobster in Australia, right? There's nothing illegal about importing a lobster into Hong Kong or Taiwan. There's nothing illegal about moving a lobster, as happens in Taiwan, from Taiwan's main island, from Taipei Airport in Songshan, flying it out to Matsu or to Kinmen. That's all fine. There's nothing illegal about putting it on a boat on those islands either. The only time this becomes illegal is when these boats go out into the waters of these islands. And then they meet for what's called ship-to-ship transfers with Chinese counterparts. It's just at that point, and then when it's being smuggled into China. There's a tension on this now because of the huge volume that's going through and the people who are involved in it. But some of the local communities say, what's the problem? We're making lots of money. This is wonderful. How does it hurt anyone on these islands? Where the people who are hurting are Chinese consumers. They're paying huge prices for these lobsters and they've got less range and the supply chain of them is less reliable. And then, of course, Australian lobster sellers who are having their big fat profits stolen by these gangs, although ultimately by their lack of access or almost total lack of access to the Chinese market, their biggest. And are things likely to change now that this extremely niche racket has been exposed? Australian lobster sellers are really uncomfortable and have been all the way through this ban about talking about this trade and talking about the situation with China because they don't want to upset China. And right now, there's a lot of worry amongst them that exposure of this Taiwanese syndicate could put an end to it, right? There might be a clampdown. And there's been a big tightening of the trade in Matsu, so a lot less is going through that channel. But right now, ahead of Chinese Lunar New Year, it's raging through Kinmen at the moment. And there is some concern in the industry that that Kinmen channel might tighten soon. But really, the story of the Chinese lobster ban 
is that Australian lobster finds a way into China. And, you know, it may be that Hong Kong becomes a new hub again. Now, Hong Kong's just reopened its land border with China, and that gives smugglers a lot more opportunity than they've had during the pandemic. When it was going from Hong Kong into China into Guangdong, it was being sped across the Hong Kong harbour and the Hong Kong waters on quick boats into there. The maritime route was the only way. But now the land border's open. Once again, Australian lobster can be smuggled in in trucks because, again, the markup is so big. This is the story of this ban is that so long as you can get two, three four times the price for an Australian lobster. That's a very tempting operation for a lot of people in these territories. One of the things that people in the trade in Taiwan are looking at is the flagged trip by Trade Minister Don Harwin to Beijing. And that could be as soon as February, just after the Lunar New Year holiday. And some people have speculated that there might be a change in Beijing's approach. They might allow the resumption of normal importation of Australian lobster to show some or give some kind of concrete benefit to the Australian government as they continue to try to get the Australian government to do things that China wants, particularly support its application to the CPTPP trade pack. What it most wants is to somehow get a cut of this lucrative trade itself. At the moment, the cut's going to these syndicates and probably some corrupt local politicians um, and officials, but uh, in some way China would want to get a cut from that. But how that's going to happen is really, really unclear. Will Glasgow is the Australian's North Asia correspondent. You can read that story as well as all our journalism anytime at theaustralian.com.au. I'm Felicity Harley and I host Healthy-ish, where we chat to experts, influencers and people in the know from around the globe to arm you with the knowledge to make healthier decisions for your mind, body and soul. I think if we're going to be focusing on health, like sleep is probably the biggest component of that. I I think sleep is the cornerstone. Like choose the harder option because I've never woken up and gone, I regret that run that I went at 4am. I've never done that. Search for Healthy-ish and Extra Healthy-ish wherever you get your podcasts.